this is a fairly sophisticated congregation. Many of you are highly educated, and so you know a thing or two. To any who are not aware, let me say, do you know the nation Israel is an absolute mystery to most of the pundits, the people, the elites who are supposed to know something? Do you know why it's a mystery to them? All these other little dingy nations throughout history, what has happened to them? They went away. They went away. They're gone, lost in the dustbin of history forever. And yet here's this little nation over there. I mean, it's just a few miles that away and a few miles this away. One of the most powerful nations on earth. How? How? They can't figure it out. Here are the Jewish people. I do believe smarter than anybody on earth. Where does that come from? God's plan. If you look back in history, you look at history, prophecy, and miracles, you begin to understand why Israel is still there. So Jesus says, your unbelief is, verse 17, it's not surprising. Your resistance to the truth is unremarkable, actually. I'm not attempting to force you people to believe the truth, and we're not either. We're not trying to force the truth on it, but we get accused of that. Don't shove that stuff down my throat. Who's trying? I mean, you can always find people out on the margins and edge who do very stupid thing. Any movement on earth has that. And so we have some who call themselves Christians who are beyond stupid and who go do some of this stuff. But that's not in the main what we do. We're not trying to force the truth on anybody. In the Middle Ages, the Roman Catholic Church, of course, tried to force everybody on earth to become Roman Catholics at the point of the sword. Latin America was one of those. But we're not trying to do that. Jesus says, you people do not trust in me because you do not want to trust in and obey the living God. The reason you're not coming to me is not because I'm not credible. You want to go your own way. And if there's a man or woman out there who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, slice open the heart, I mean the spiritual heart, open it up, put it under a microscope, and what you'll find is they just flat don't want to obey God. They love darkness more than they love light. They're not going to come out and say that. No, they're going to posture it just the other way. But that's the problem. You have to humble yourself. You have to repent. You have to say, oh God, I was wrong. Repentance means I'm not going to go that way anymore. I'm going to believe you and go this way. That's the first motion of faith is repentance. And then take your word for everything. He does not need to prove his assertion to them. His word is the truth. And the truth carries its own weight. You don't know how much I believe that. If the word of God does not break through that great wall of moral resistance to surrender to the will of God, Nothing can. I know I've said that. I'm repeating it for effect. 
the strength of that resistance is condemning and revealing about the state of the human heart. Neither miracles nor minds can avail to break down that moral distaste for the truth. Just want you to think about that and want you to know what's going on in this world in which you and I are now living. In verse 18, Jesus says something. It's not the way he says it. It's not absolutely clear what he's getting at. They're accusing Jesus of speaking from himself, and he contradicts it. He who speaks from himself, and most people do, seeks his own glory. He who seeks glory from the one who sent him, that is the Father above. He is true and faithful. You can count on him. He's a reliable conduit of the truth. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Jesus doesn't stop there and say, well, now let me explain and reach into his intellectual pockets and start pulling out stuff that would persuade them that what he just said is true. Look, there are all kinds of voices out there. And, uh, but I don't want to hear you saying, well, there were so many voices. How could I get it straight? I didn't know who, whose word to take. You're hearing the right message right here, Jesus is saying. And that's what we're saying. That's what we've been saying for a generation after generation after generation. And anyone who is speaking for God is seeking his glory. He's not seeking his own glory. I'm not seeking my own glory, no matter what you think. You can listen to my voice because it's true. And we still tell the world you can hear the word of God. You can hear the voice of Jesus. It's true. No room for any doubt. Your failure to get that, Jesus is saying, is telling. That's why you're missing the boat. Despite all of your self-imagined piety and allegiance to God of your fathers, you're not getting it. Little do you know your religious hypocrisy is epic. Now that's where he goes into the circumcision thing. Because it seems I have no relevance, but it actually it has much. Jesus said, I just accuse you, in other words, of being rank religious hypocrites. You all claim to love Moses. You all claim to love God. You all claim that you're deeply pious. You're not. You're not. Now, let me give you an example, he says. Verse 19, did not Moses give you the law, the law of God, he means? And who? None of you is keeping it. All the Jews all thought they were the arch law keepers. Jesus says, I got news for you. You're trashing the law of Moses seven ways from Sunday. Where do you get that, Jack? Now he lets them in on a secret that they didn't know he knew. He said, you're all trying to kill me. 
you're plotting out there to get rid of me. And I'm the righteous one. He didn't stop and prove it. I'm the righteous one. And you would know that too if your heart was right. But you're trying to kill me. You're not keeping God's law. Well, I want to show you, you don't even keep the law of Moses as you claim to. Moses mediated to you the law of God, the Ten Commandments. And in the Ten Commandments, there is this one. You shall not kill. That's the word for murder. The truth is, you people, he's, it's a generalization. You people refuse to submit to God's law and do his will. You're preparing to murder me. Let me tell you a dirty little secret. You're a mess. You're a moral mess. Right there, the fat really hit the fan. With shock that he knew. How did he know that? What they were up to. And as so often happens with people like this, feeling exposed and indignant that Jesus had outed their blatant moral hypocrisy, they loudly smeared him with the greatest blasphemy they could think of. You have a demon guy who the blankety-blank seeks to kill you. That's the spirit of it. They would not own up to the fact that they were without cause planning to rid themselves of his hated presence. For no other reason we know this from other texts from even Pilate, they were jealous of his standing among the many common people and they were fearful that he might get stirring something that would jeopardize their standing, their cozy arrangement with their Roman masters. Now, moving from history to Monday morning, let me right here inject that the same dynamic occurs in every generation where and when. Jesus is not here. He is there. But through his servants, we declare in the stead of Jesus his faithful word. The plain truth surprises the conscience of people and makes sinners feel messed with. You probably don't know this. You wouldn't have any reason to know it. Sometimes people are mad at the preacher after the service because they felt he got personal. I didn't know who told him. And they're mad as hops. The truth offends. It always has, even in the Old Testament. The truth offends. And it sometimes creates a visceral reaction. Then people will make a fuss about something, the way you fold the bulletin or something like that. They will do things like that. Their real issue is a moral issue. The truth threatens people who have some kind of self-interest. It may be economic interest. It may be social status. It may be some kind of power, just to name three. About that, Jesus doesn't bother to debate with them. No, 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 that's not it. They know it. He knows it, and he still does. It would be useless to kick against an immovable rock of lies. It would all come out soon enough. 
what's the modern, still on Monday morning, what's the modern mantra when people are sidewise with the law of God? They fight back as they're doing as we speak with all kinds of hostility and moral slurs. Just saw yesterday in the news some woman, she was in Texas actually, she was urging the the people, I forget which government entity, not to elect or hire Christians. Why? They're dangerous. You're hearing more and more of that. Have you heard it? Raise your hand. Yeah, you've heard it. Some of you are not listening. You really are. You, you, I, I, that worries me because you're not maybe fully aware of what's happening out there. Actually, they'll say to us, they do say to us that literally you have a demon Who says we're going to kill you? Actually, it's just the opposite. The enemies of Jesus in any age or venue are those who are demonically driven. What you will notice today, if you're noticing, keep your ears on, keep your eyes open. They are masters at projecting onto Christians what they're doing themselves. Masters. Well, in our conflict with a hostile culture, it is rather typical. I didn't say it's unexceptional, but it's rather, rather typical for the enemies of Christ to project onto the church their own great sins. This is an instance of that tendency. Jesus goes on, where are you, where are you people what, what, what set you off? What has your pants on fire? What's splitting your britches make you go off like this? And he said, well, let me get ahead of you. Let me get in front of you. I'm going to tell you. Back there a while, we go back to John chapter 5 at the feast of the Passover. Back there a while, I went to the pool of Bethesda. I'm going to relate the story to you. Went to the pool of Bethesda. There were all these sick people there. There was this one guy, he had been there 38 years. He was lame. I'm sure his limbs were tortured. And Jesus said, do you want to get well? And he explained to Jesus why he couldn't get down into that healing pool. As if Jesus healed him right there, right on the spot. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Except when did he do it? When did he do it? Oh, my gosh, he did it on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day. You cannot break the Sabbath, healing or no healing. Let me show you what kind of hypocrites you are. I'll tell this story. You, you people, you know that Moses commanded you to circumcise a child and to do it on the eighth day. Every once in a while, the eighth day of a child would fall on what day? Sabbath. Well, by golly, Moses said to do it even on the eighth day, even on the Sabbath. That's, a, that's work to do all of that. 
you got all kinds of things that you call work and you can't do them on the Sabbath. But this you must do on the Sabbath day, eighth day. T- take little, little Nehemiah in there and take off a little piece of skin. Make him clean, ritually clean. You got to do that. You got to do it on the Sabbath. That's important. You can suspend the Sabbath day for that. Well, Jesus says, what did I do? That very day, I took a whole man who was lame and messed up, been that way for 38 years. People would bring. And I cleansed the whole man. Took a whole man and made him healthy, probably spiritually and physically, because he became a believer that day. And you're mad about that? How could you be so stupid? How could you miss the Sabbath day in its spirit? How could you miss it like that? You don't have a clue what is going on. People judge not by the appearance of things, the appearance of things being your traditions, which you have wrong. But judge righteous judgment, which you're not doing. You want to talk about sin? Go look in the mirror. You want to talk about hypocrisy? Go look in the mirror. You want to talk about fraud? Go look in the mirror. So that was Jesus' answer, part of it. More comes up next week. I'll just go ahead and preach next week's message while we're at it. Well, now I want to wrap up with a couple of other things. Quickly, behind all unbelief is a moral motive, not an intellectual motive. The problem is never intellectual. There may be intellectual. It is always moral. If anybody out there is willing to do God's will, repent and trust in Jesus. When you do that, the fog will clear. They will know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through him. The fog will lift when the rebellion goes. Quickly, darkness, modern darkness, and their darkness is always demonizing the good. The world is always protecting its own darkness and projecting it onto the servants of Christ. Next, the world is always misunderstanding and twisting the scriptures, calling good evil and evil good, light darkness and darkness light. So they were doing here. All we as servants of Christ next can do in bringing people to Christ is what Jesus personally did. We teach Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. And we test the moral receptivity, the presence of honest faith, just as Jesus did in his three-year ministry on earth and passed the tradition on to us. So his apostles and his disciples, down through the corridors of history, we go about doing good and teaching the word and testing those who hear to have a believing disposition. 
those who are drawn to the Spirit are drawn by the Spirit. They're drawn to Jesus. They get him. He doesn't need to get us. Believe me, he gets us upside down and sideways, north, south, east, and west. There's nothing about us that he was never in the dark about. Oh, yes, he gets us. What we need to do is get him. And in the case of the latter, get this. No ingenious human programs, no man-made methods or smart, creative human means, no amount of brilliant technology. I'm really bad at technology, but I'm not against it. Sometimes it's very useful. But when we get so smart, especially as America, we think technology, that's going to do it. No amount of brilliant technology, no sappy, happy, clappy services are going to move the mountain. The problem, folks, is moral. No sound and light shows passed off as worship. No amount of human charisma. Guys, like me, most not as ugly, most not as old. Some of them are equally stupid. But no human charisma is going to turn the trick. The Word of God. Preach the Word. In season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke. For the time will come and it's here when men will not endure sound doctrine. If anything is going to unlock the doors to the heart, it'll be the Word of God. Now just one more word about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Sunday for Christians. You don't have time to explain that, but it's easy. It is still a holy day. It was then. Jesus wasn't taking away from it. He didn't come in and just trash the Sabbath. What he trashed was their tradition. The Sabbath was in the beginning, and it still is, about resting as much as possible from the labors of ordinary life. Taking time out from life as we know it six days a week as much as possible to remember and worship our Creator and doing all things that are good and right and honorable. That's what the Sabbath is for. We've gotten way, way, way away from that. We would be more blessed if we didn't. The Sabbath is still holy and we ought to remember that. Well, that's what that passage means, and I hope you've understood it, and I hope you understand it a little better in light of Monday morning. Jesus was very logical in everything he said. They were very hypocritical in everything they said. If you don't know the Lord Jesus, I hope you realize what I said. Examine yourself. Sometimes the reason people don't come it's pride. I just can't bend my knee. I just can't submit to the living God, the creator. I just can't give up my way and give in to his way. That was their problem. It's still the problem. Don't make it intellectual. It's not. And don't let those of us who preach the gospel go out and preach it and try to win people to Christ as if we're about an intellectual effort. We're not. 
were out to just, Paul said, he was one of the most intellectual around in those days. When he went to Corinth, he said, I came to Corinth, a very intellectual city. Know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Keep it simple, stupid. And that's what we're doing. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for your word. We pray that the Spirit of God from week to week will give us understanding. We will not apologize for the truth because the truth will prevail. We pray that you would be glorified in everything and your word would be magnified. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to thank those of you from Northwest Bible Trainings. (laughs) Raise your hands back there. They're here, the whole crew. Thank you for that affirmation. (laughs) Okay. Well, amen. Uh, We're going to close.